Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Adventures in Angular podcast. This week on our panel, we have Chris Ford. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest. That's Brooks Forsyth. Hey, everyone. Now, uh, Brooks is on our freelancer show, and I think we're probably going to wind up adding him to this show as well. But Brooks, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Brooks Forsyth. I've been doing front-end, mostly front-end development for the past five, six years. I'm working a lot with Ionic and Angular. Nice. We just had Shy show up too. Shy, do you want to say hello? Hello. How is everybody? I'm good. Have you started? Yep. So hello, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Are you stuck at home climbing the walls when you should be hanging out with the community at the latest conference to get canceled? Are you wondering where to hear your JavaScript heroes like Amy Knight and Douglas Crockford and Chris Heilman? After the cancellations, I decided to put on a JavaScript conference for you online. I invited my favorite folks from around the web and got them to come speak at an online event just for you. Go to jsremoteconf.com and check out our speakers and schedule. The conference is on May 14th and 15th. Come join us at an online conference that we guarantee will keep you safe and keep you informed jsremoteconf.com. All right. Well, Brooks, um, you've coined a new stack that I've never heard of. Do you want to just talk about it for a minute? Well, no one's ever heard of it besides me. And uh, I think I mentioned it to my wife, but she doesn't develop. So it was nonsense to her. Um, so this is an Adventures in Angulars exclusive here. I've, uh, I've created the Ian stack. So that's Ionic, Angular, and Nest. Oh, uh, interesting. Um, yeah. So... Um, Basically, I, I've been doing front-end development for the majority of my career and you know, always had the side projects and used Node and Express or Firebase. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like there's a lack of organization when you go into Node development on the back end. What the Ian stack has is it, it kind of, as, as an Angular developer, I think we all like some sort of decisions made for us. It's an opinionated framework, like it's a full framework. There's some opinions made about the way to do things. And then so with Ionic, Angular, Nest, those, there's some more opinions on, on how to do things. Um, so Ionic, obviously, you get the mobile and the web. And it's right now, or since 4, it's basically just web components. Uh, you know, nice, beautiful web components for um, all the different environments that you can develop with it now. And then Angular, I mean, Everyone knows what Angular is. Nest is um, basically Angular brought to the back end, and we can talk more about that. But that really brings in a lot more structure into the node development. So started a project about a month and a half ago where we started with Firebase, um, and that was good up to a certain point. And then um, I started using a lot more uh, Firebase functions, and, and things started feeling really uh, messy and disorganized. And then you also have some cold start issues in there. So I moved just to doing Node and Express. And that was, um, you know, I knew I should organize things a certain way. I just wasn't comfortable enough to say, this is the way to do it, you know, coming more from the front end. So when I brought Nest in, things really clicked. And now I knew how to organize everything on the back end using similar patterns to the way you use Angular. Yes, that's the 10,000 foot view. It's funny too, because with Ionic, Angular used to be a given and it's not anymore. Right. Yeah. No, you could do uh, Ionic and React or Ionic and Vue. I know with React, it's, you know, that's just a library, right? It 
that's a, I don't want to say a chant, but React developers will say, well, it's not a framework, it's just a library. So that's why it's not opinionated. And you have to make those choices yourself. And I, I think, you know, some of the framework churn or JavaScript, you know, we have analysis paralysis. There's so many options on how to solve problems with software that it's hard to choose the right way. And you, and you really don't know the right way to solve it unless you've solved the same problem with several different frameworks or libraries and, and tested them against each other. One of the things to think about, like I, I've heard this expression before, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And um, I've heard that in relation to you know choosing frameworks or, or whatever. Like if you're an Angular developer, you just see how you can solve everything with Angular. But my counterpoint to that is not that you can solve everything with Angular, but we're not nailing, you know, putting nails in wood. We're doing something a lot more complicated. So if you can solve the business problem with Angular, like, and you know it's going to be organized and, and in a, a thought-out way with Angular and Nest, then that's a win, right? I, I don't think any business wants the absolute best tool to solve their problem. They just want the tool that their developers know and, and can use. And their problem solved, really. I don't... Yep. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, what had you had you used Nest before? Brought it in on this project, or did you just sort of like start looking? Oh, I, I need something that isn't Express, and you just sort of came across it, or? Yeah, so I had heard about it right when it came out, and I was like, "Wow, this is cool!" And I, I played with it, but um, you know, in a professional capacity, I hadn't, and that was kind of um, scary. But uh, it was really easy to pick up as an Angular developer. I made up this little analogy in my head about it. So if you if you have a house and you're you know either you're building it or you're putting it on the market, um, so if the house is the app, then with Angular you could say Ionic is the gardening and the lawn, um, you know the paved driveway, right? Like everything looks beautiful, the picket fence. Ionic brings in all that. Angular is everything inside, like the kitchen sink, the bathrooms, the bedrooms, with um, just Express and Node, you go downstairs into the basement, and it's just like a regular basement. Um, you know, it's kind of dingy, has a little funky smell, whatever. And, and you can figure it out and work your way, and there's boxes everywhere. With Nest.js, what it felt like to me was like you went downstairs, and you were going into the upstairs of your house that's up above of you. Like It's just like a repeat of the same organization, the same layout. And so... All of a sudden, you're doing this back-end development, and you feel like you're doing front-end development again. And it was just like things make sense. Um, you know, you're using pipes and and services and dependency injection, and uh, it was really quick and easy to pick up um, as someone who's done Angular Ionic development. That's really interesting. I, I, I mean, I've 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 heard of Nest like a few times, I guess, over the last couple of months. I'm not sure how, how old it is, actually, but um, I, I take it it's not years and years old. But um, No, I, yeah. I think it's about a year something old, though. Okay. Um, yeah. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've, I don't do an awful lot of node development, which is why I haven't... I've just been sort of like, ah, Nest. It's like Angular for Node. Excellent. I'll sort of file that away for when I need it, but I've never actually gone to use it. Yeah, so it was the same way. Same way. Exactly. It was. I, I had it on my radar, and then when um, I got fed up with Express and, and using Firebase on this project, I went right into into Nest, and it really worked out. You know, I think that's part of also moving from being solely front end to being full stack. It's fun in a sense that you can solve all the bugs instead of just being, you know. 
Well, it's fun and scary, right? Um, because yeah. they're all your problem, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, um, there's some joy in being able to say it's, oh, that's the back end's problem. Like, like it's not my fault, right? Yeah, throw it over the wall. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then they'll throw it back at you and say, no, it's your problem. And then, you know, whatever. But work doesn't get done like that. You know, that's so, yeah, at, being full stack and knowing how to fix everything and feeling comfortable in both uh, the front and the back end has, has been a lot of fun. How, how familiar did you have to be with Node? I guess you've done Node before, right? But it, it, is it, can, can, if you're just purely front end, do you reckon you could just get straight involved with Nest or do you, do you need to go and do some research on how Node works first? You know, I used it in personal projects, you know, just for like fun little back end things. I'd done a lot with Firebase. Um, I'd done more with Firebase, I shouldn't say a lot. But I don't, I don't think the one thing to pick up about node development, I, I would run an express app, node an express app, and, and just get that basic, like, you know, the express app is uh, expecting this request and just do a little, you know, crowd app like that. But then after that, you'll be scratching your head and saying, well, how do I split this all up nice and, and make it all organized? And that's where Nest really comes in. And, and Nest uses express. So, you know, you can use Fastify it? with it, okay. but yeah, it uses Express, so it's not lost. It, it's not a lost cause. Like you're learning something you'll use. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did not realize that actually. I thought it was an alternative because um, what there are alternatives out there to Express now, aren't there? People are trying to pull away from it. Yeah, yeah. You can use Express or Fastify. In my experience, I, I kept it with the Ian stack. Because I named it Ian because I don't have an opinion on Express or Fastify, so throwing a E or an F in there. And then you can use SQL or Mongo. Um, I use Mongoose with Mongo, um, just because again, that's you know Firebase and Mongo are pretty similar as far as the database goes. So um, that's what I was more comfortable with going from that. But yeah, it wasn't a big leap going from just full front end to diving into this uh, Nest.js and doing the back end. I have a question. Uh, so first of all, a remark. So Nest, I think, is one of the fastest growing open source libraries, especially in Node. I remember working with um, Loopback back in the day from StrongLoop, or now, now also the maintainers, I, I think, of uh, Express. And it wasn't a happy experience. <laughs> it was uh, several years ago. And when Nest came out, it was like, oh, okay, finally. Because I was so surprised that we had all this advancement in uh, the front end, but compared to other like more um, mature languages, in Node.js, we're still stuck, used to uh, stuck with without TypeScript, without like uh, anything like reusable patterns, like stuff like that. And Nest really brought it up and made use of a lot of concepts from Angular. So my question is, and I don't know if you answered that already because um, I came in late, w what is the product that you're working on with Ionic and this, like, this new stack? Yeah, I'm working for a, a startup. We're building a, a nutrition app. Um, so basically... There's some algorithms involved, but basically based on um, what ingredients you liked from past recipes, it recommends new recipes for you, um, which I think with Firebase doesn't make a lot of sense because Firebase is more you're passing data back and forth between different users a lot, where I think that would have 
more of an impact. This is really just data going in down to the user. Stuff. Right. Yeah. In real time and stuff. And that's not, that's not this use case, right? Um, not that you can't do that with Nest or whatever, but I'm just saying that was made me scratch my head about the decision of Firebase for sure um, when we started. That was already in the project. So, yeah. Cool. So, how, how many, um, you said you've been working on it for a couple of months now? With this a month thing? and a half, yeah. A month and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what is your, like, uh, what do you see are the benefits or the disadvantages to this approach? Well, the disadvantages is um, I, I'm the only developer on the project, so everything is um, under the sun. You know, everything's on up to me. Um, the disadvantage of you know doing everything is it's all on me, right? Every bug is written by me now. The advantage is, you know, I I think it's just uh, a, the structure and feeling comfortable coming from Angular and being able to go right into the back end and um, understand you know using typescript getting all the types and dependency injection it all really clicks yeah so it's angular all the way this is the main advantage yeah yeah makes sense now are we talking rest apis or graphql or yes so um i'm using just a rest api uh i don't think it makes sense to use graphql but in this situation but i can definitely um i've talked to some other developers uh, I have another buddy who's big into Angular, and he uses GraphQL with um, NAS.js, and, and he really likes it as well. Um, so yeah, you definitely can use GraphQL with NAST. And are you? Um, sorry, apologies if you've oh, if you've said this and I've missed it. Are you building? Is this solely a, a mobile app, or is it? Are you using Ionic so just for the component library? Or yeah, yeah. So this is um, it's a PWA first. Um, so you know, first the PWA is going to get released, get some feedback, and um, you know, some testing, um, and then uh, a mobile app will come out after that, which is actually pretty cool with Ionic. You know, you can you can release the PWA and not have to deal with the two week wait at the Apple Store, and you know, uh, the Android Store is pretty fast, but. Um, it's nice to be able to just deploy. I'm still actually using Firebase for hosting it, right? So you can just do Firebase deploy, PWA gets updated. Um, when I push to in the Nest repo, Heroku just picks up the master branch and deploys that. Um, so it's really quick getting changes out there for the client to see, and you know, and, and we can start that rapid feedback iteration loop. Are you freelancing or moonlighting? Or maybe you've thought about going out on your own. Every week, we have a group of developers at various stages of the freelancing journey on The Freelancer Show to talk about becoming better at freelancing. We also bring in experts to talk about marketing, SEO, and delivering high quality to clients. So if you're interested in going freelance or you are freelance, check it out at freelancershow.com. So what's, what's it like? Um, how, is it, how is the experience of building a PWA with, with Ionic? Because I've, I've used Ionic um, for a few mobile apps before i'm i'm obviously familiar with the fact that you can that they're, they're all i mean if you go to their website now they are all about pwa yeah, PWA, yeah. But i mean i i kind of find that no and don't get me wrong with this i i really like ionic um i'm using it at the moment for for a thing um but i kind of find like it's obviously i i still feel like it's really geared towards these are my components for a native feeling mobile application so how does that how is that for building what what is supposed to be, you know, a, a desktop and mobile experience. Is it all right? 
Yeah, I, I found it pretty good so far um, with Ionic 5. I think it's getting better. Um, again, that came out with like a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. Um, so I haven't. Yeah, it's pretty new, isn't it? Yeah, dove into the those, but I know they did a lot of work on the component library. Really, with the PWA, what helps a lot is uh, going into capacitor and using capacitor to develop the native side of the PWA because with the capacitor plugins, you get the web um, you know, plugin and the iOS and Android all bundled into one. So that's, that's super helpful. And also, um, it's helpful in the sense that like, now I don't have to worry about uh, you know, how I was going to get the camera to work on web in addition to Android and iOS with Cordova, but also um, when you're developing like a Nionic 3 app or a Nionic 4 app with Cordova and you add the camera plugin and you want to test it out, you really have to load it onto a device to test it, yeah. right? Yeah. With Capacitor, you know, someone else has kind of taken that over for you because you can still, you know, you're like, oh, camera plugin's at least loaded and running right and it's working on my desktop and, you know, you should obviously check it before you ship it. But... um the those plugins are designed to work on all three out of the box, which is super helpful and speeds things up as well. That is really nice because uh, using Cordova with Ionic like in the past is just one of the most hateful experiences I've ever been. I, through. I have really a lot unpleasant. of gray hair because of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Cordova redoes the build uh, every time you build with Cordova. So it redoes the projects over and over again and Capacitor doesn't do that. And it puts a lot of, Capacitor puts a lot of um, those responsibilities of uh, configuring the project and building the project onto the native IDEs where Cordova handles all of that. And so that kind of lets the IDEs do what they do best and you know setting the permissions and everything. When you switch to Capacitor, there's no um, config.xml like in Cordova. So I, I'm sure you played with the config.xml file and, and tried to set everything right so it builds it each time the correct way. Um, and that's gone now, which is great um, because you just handle that with an Xcode or Android Studio. Yeah, that's really nice. So yeah, Capacitor is something that I haven't, I haven't tried yet with Ionic, but um, let's say I'm, I'm doing something with Ionic at, at the moment. I'm also enjoying the new Ionic 5 stuff, I have to say. Um, yeah, yeah I, when it, when I actually come to start needing to deploy it out to to a mobile device, um, I'm really pleased that I don't ever have to touch Cordova again. <laughs> not yeah, pleasant. It, no, it's not. It's not. It is what it is, and and it brought like I don't want to trash Cordova too much, right? Because it's an older project, and and it definitely brought a lot of apps and and brought a lot of things to you know let Ionic work one through three used Cordova. Um, and it works, but it is hard to get it working consistently. Yeah, and and actually, the, a lot of the issues were with the plugins themselves, weren't they? And I think like the the Ionic guys, I don't know, I don't know how much control they had over those plugins or not. Whereas I guess they, um, I mean, it, it, I think it says a lot that they they at Ionic set out to create a replacement, right? So they they obviously yeah realized that yeah. They they formed everything on the backbone of of using Cordova, but actually times have changed and they need to move on in exactly the same way that they, you know, they've they've realised that yes, okay, well we've been Angular only for you know since the inception of Ionic, but actually in order to to move forward, they need to be able to support 
well, they've become framework agnostic actually, haven't they? And um, and now they just have support for the frameworks as well. Um, so you know, it's good for their evolution, I think, as well. But also shows the evolution of of the the platforms and and development systems as well. Yeah, I think um, you know, with Ionic four, they started using web components because one, they could web components were you know standard enough or adopted well enough that they could start really using them. And um, you know, like you said, now they're not tied with Angular. And you know, I think the jump from Angular one to Angular was was hard on them. And then even from like uh, three to four, when they ditched the web components, that was a big jump for Ionic. So I think the size of their team, they have to be able to move independently of the frameworks, right? Like they have to, they can't just uh, have to drop everything every time Angular updates or at this point, every framework when they update, they can't, um, you know, have to rewrite the whole library. So that's where web components is helping them. And Bringing a standard across, yeah, and they, 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 do they still have their own web component framework? Was it Stencil JS? Stencil JS, yeah, yeah. So they created Stencil to um, create the to create Ionic Four, and that's pretty cool. It uses JSX syntax. It's it's heavily based on like a Reactish type of framework or library, I guess. But they really made it originally for an internal tool. And then they released it, and people do um, really like it, which is cool. I mean, the more the merrier. I think if you, if you're able to build these components and use them across, you know, several different projects, I think that's great. Um, you know, why reinvent the wheel for every framework? Um, why not have one, you know, drop down across all the frameworks and and uh, use it, be able to use it across everything? Yeah, I I totally agree. I'm I'm I'm. A big fan of the the hope that eventually we'll be going, you know, just web components, and we can start to, you know, sunset using, you know, being tied to a framework. Um, or I mean, obviously, I'm on a podcast talking about a framework that I really enjoy using, you know, every day. Hey, but, hey, so, hey, Chris! Yeah, <laughs> you're kidding us over here. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm just waiting for the uh, adventures in web components, and then I'll jump ship over to uh, that podcast, right? Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> adventures in dependency injection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, Brooks, you've uh, been talking about this, like you're building your PWA with Angular as well, or with Ionic as well. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, building it with Ionic. It's um, Ionic five now, and yeah, using Ionic and Angular. To me, that's kind of old news because I've been doing that for a while. But yeah, we, we should talk about that some more. Yeah, I think the thing that just kind of leaps out at me is that when I think Ionic, I think mobile. And so when you're talking about building a web app based on the web components that you're getting off of Ionic, it's like, oh, oh, that's really interesting. And I really do love the idea of having this um, sort of UI synergy between your web app and your mobile app. And so... It's like, oh, that that's really interesting in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, you know, I develop it with the the terminal open on the side, and my screen's kind of crunched to a mobile view, and then I just make sure everything's. I close the terminals or drop it down below, so I get the full desktop view. And for a lot of these components, it just works. You know, it just spreads out right. It centers in the screen, so it's almost. Um, it's one of those things where it's like an afterthought to go and make sure it works on a wide screen. It's it's uh it's that useful, um, which is great. You know, it, it's 
I don't want to have to think about all the different screen sizes and um, but that's partly using the ionic components and their grid layout that comes along with that. Very cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it's, it's the same components when I launch it into a mobile app or a PWA, um, you know, the same code across all the devices. And that's one of the, you know, the same code base from Android, iOS and web. You can even get Electron going on in there. I haven't um, played with that too much, but it's definitely capable of doing it. Yep. What which yeah. um, UI style does it default to when you're when you're doing the PWA? Because obviously, when you're when you're deploying a mobile app, you get uh, and you know the iOS version looks like native iOS, and the Android version looks like native Android. So, does the web one? Do you, is it use Material Design, or do they have their own sort of third flavor? It uses Material. I want to say I'm pretty sure it uses Material. Question: I wonder is if it changes with Safari or not, but I haven't tested it. You know, I use the Safari tools for testing the iOS app, right? But it does it does use material. It doesn't have like a third flavor, which is probably for the better because uh, yeah, then you get the <laughs> you, you get the third requirement. And I've I've worked on projects where um, they want to use one of the things that I find businesses don't realize um, and more corporate uh, environments is that Ionic does have those two flavors. And then when you get the design requirements in, they're either all in, you know, iOS design or, or material. And so I've explained to several business people about how changing things, which you can, you know, you can default it to one or the other, right? But how you're kind of losing some of the magic if you do that uh, by putting material components into an iOS app. And, and that, that kind of defeats the point of Ionic. But, you know, they have their uh, designers who have decided that it should look one way, right? Yes. I, I think it's quite jarring, actually, as a user as well. So um, I think it's the, the Google Hangouts app on iOS. I mean, it, it looks and feels like an Android um, application. And, you know, I mean, I... I use an iPhone, and so I kind of expect yeah. my apps to look like iOS apps. So actually, yeah, when I when I go into Hangouts, I find it a jarring experience. So no, I I think it's great that they will default out. And in the same way, I think if I if I shipped a um, a mobile app to the to the Google Play Store and it looked like an iOS app, I think Android users would like immediately delete it, <laughs> probably. They'd feel weird about it, right? Like, yeah. even if they can't place their finger on it, you'd be like, what, what's going on here? Why are things, you know, shifted all to the left or vice versa, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, or in lowercase and versus uppercase. So where, where do you see, uh, where, what's your plans for the Ian stack? Where's, where's Ian going? World next? domination. Yeah, no, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, this is, we'll, we'll see how far it takes me, right? I, I really do enjoy working in it. And, you know, I think it's something every Angular developer should, especially someone who's really um, just been focused on the front end, should, should try the Ian stack and, and live the good life um, because it really is an enjoyable stack to work in. I, I've really, I've had a lot of fun on this project and, um, you know, first I had a lot of trouble on it and, and a lot of heartache. Um, but then since moving over and it, everything has really clicked together. Are you planning on building like a code generator or? I'm thinking about, yeah, yeah. Um, I bought domain name. So sorry, Shy. I know you were, you know, trying to buy it right now. 
I was I was looking for it. I was googling it. No. Uh, you know, .io domain names are expensive. Yeah. They're like sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. What is that about? I don't know. I don't, the, I don't like it at all. I don't know who owns it. Like Uganda or something like that. They are making super profits. Or something like that. <laughs> so you you can buy that one, shy. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I was thinking, you know, putting together some documentation, um, some schematics maybe and trying to get it. I would like to um, get it so it could all run in one repo and then you could use some crossover of the classes maybe and and uh, some more organization like that if I thought it made sense. I'd like to play with that and uh, do some more, um, you know, do some tutorials on it and really, uh, really try to play with it a lot more. I should have a look at the NX with the Nest. I think it's like partially there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've I've been doing a little Googling on that and and seeing uh, what it would be like to run in a mono repo. I'm I'm on the fence about it, if it's helpful or not, but I'm sure it depends on the project. Yeah. So how do you approach um, some of the other issues in frameworks like this with like testing and, and stuff like that? Yeah, so Shai's going to kill me because I'm not doing. Uh, Shai, you're big into testing, right? Is that is that the truth? I think we've me. Yeah. Nah. You don't like testing? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I hate testing. I hate testing. Uh, no. yeah. So you're not doing it. That's great. No. I love you. <laughs> I'm not. You know, being the it doesn't adult, actually have to work. Yeah. Being the sole developer on on the project, I kind of uh, and, and the timeline, of course, which is not the right attitude to have. I kind of have foregone testing on on this round. It's something that I got to add in there. But it's also it's also your first time using Ionic or Nest. No, Nest. Right. Nest. Oh, yeah. right. So it's also like I found find it hard, like when you're using something for the first time, to like. Write test first, or like do do that because um, you're still learning the API and how everything works, and you need to you know uh, have time to even think about how to approach testing anything. Like if you're used to like developing like let's say Ionic code, but you never really gone like put the thought into how do I test that. I'm not talking about a specific example. I'm just a generic example. Yeah. Um, so that makes it harder. So that's why, like, my approach is try to do the minimum you can with an API and add the test afterwards, or add it, bake it into the as time estimations when you give your <laughs> the product people, uh, and that way you you should be better <laughs> than without anything. Yeah, yeah. I think um, to know, you know, testing, you you ask yourself, like, what do I expect this function to do? And when you're just discovering the API and how things work, you don't even know what to expect it to do sometimes, right? So that's hard to to plan ahead for that. Yep. Nice. Well, anything else we should talk about before we go to picks? No, I'm good if you guys are good. All right. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, 
vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. Well, let's go ahead and do picks then. Chris, do you want to start us with picks? Yeah, I certainly will. I have two picks today. Um, one of them, I've kind of made it obvious throughout the episode. I was I was going to pick Ionic 5 uh, because, as I've mentioned, I've been using it quite a bit over the last week um, on a side project. I haven't used Ionic for a, a couple of years, so it was it was nice to go back to. And um, yeah, it's it's doing it's 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 a lot nicer to use. I mean, it wasn't unpleasant to use, but Ionic 5 they're doing a really good job keeping that going. So that's uh, one of my picks. And then I've I had an idea for a, a, a regular series, a regular feature of picks that I think I'm going to do of um, things that I like that uh, I don't think anyone else seems to like, but I like them. So I'll bring them up. And uh, my one for that, I need a better name for that feature. I'll come up with one. And so my my pick of things that I like that no one else likes for this week is the movie The Green Lantern, which I actually really enjoyed. And uh, I think it was generally reviled by the internet, but I like it. So that's my pick. Is that the one with uh, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why everyone hates it. <laughs> I really liked it. Have you seen uh, Deadpool 2 or whatever? I, yeah, I've seen, I haven't seen Deadpool 2. I've seen Deadpool 1. It made the reference there, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think Ryan Reynolds really uh, likes I know. <laughs> the Green Lantern. Um, exactly. Okay. Interesting. It's funny. I haven't seen either of those movies. so You didn't see Deadpool? Nope. Oh, you should get off your robe and put real clothes and go to the movie now. <laughs> it's not in the theater anymore, though, Shy. <laughs> no, but you should go and demand them to screen it. <laughs> put it back on a personal screening. Yeah, he knows my wife has some friends over, and so I got to put on pants before I walk out of this room. Yeah, you always, uh, to the listener who don't, don't know, uh, Charles always wear his robe when he's podcasting, so... Just so you know. It's a silk robe too. Just Yeah, silk with the initials. There we go. CW. CMW. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to jump in and tell my picks before. Do it. We, yeah. Uh, so my first pick is uh, another uh, testing workshop. Yay. We're opening another one. It was supposed to be open by now, but by the time you will hear it, it will probably be open again. And it's on testangular.com. It's a free workshop. And we cover all like the overview of all the tests you need to write in order to get maximum coverage or maximum um, uh, confidence in your code and um, how to improve your code quality and stuff like that. But it, it's mainly theory. After that, I'm opening up another Angular Testing Basics course uh, which is a paid one, but with a special discount. So check it out on testangular.com. And my second pick is by the creator of Nest.js. It's a, it's a lecture uh, about uh, demystifying dependency injection. It's from NGDE 2019. And I'll put the link in the show notes. So cool lecture. Check it out. Nice. All right. Um, I'll throw up some uh, picks as well. Um, one that I have, I've been getting back into The Expanse, which is a TV series on, on Amazon, Amazon, right? Yeah. 
Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. I'm getting my brain back together. Um, anyway, really enjoying that. And so, yeah, I'm only two episodes into the latest season, but uh, it's it's such a good show. Um, also really been enjoying Picard, which is a CBS. Um, I think you can only get it if you have a subscription to CBS, but it's Star uh, Star Trek. It's It's been really, really good as well. It's kind of funny to think back, um, you know, late 80s, early 90s, um, you know, when Star Trek The Next Generation was on. And then you look at uh, Sir Patrick Stewart now and he, he looks so old. But anyway, been enjoying it. And uh, yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout out about that show as well. Um, I've got some other projects going, but I don't know if I'm ready to announce them yet. So we'll just hang tight with this stuff and then uh, we'll, we'll tell you about it later if we have other stuff going on. Brooks, do you have some picks? Yeah, so I was reading the, um, you know, being on another show, this one of the first times I read one of the guest uh, things all the way, and it said you could do quotes. Um, so my favorite quote by someone who's very wise but not old is, uh, pizza is an investment in your future. And so next time when you're ordering pizza and you wonder if you should get a medium or small, just go for the large because it's an investment in your future. Oh, there you go. Nice. I'm adopting it right now. Excellent. That's the second thing I've made a thing on this uh, podcast. Hello, I'm- Domino's? Yeah, I will take the large. Thank you. Why would you order Domino's? Their pizza is terrible. Uh, oh, here, here, it's such a treat. You know, it depends on the country. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> All right. Well, Brooks, if people want to find you or the EN Framework online, where do they find that stuff? Uh, they can find it at ianframework.com. And I am on Twitter at Brooks Forsyth. Nice. And you can also find him on The Freelancer Show on TV. So, All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming. This was fun. Thank you, Brooks. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. All right. Max out, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. See you next time. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.